All right, you guys ready? We've been doing, this is week three of spiritual warfare. Uh, the first week, I really hit a, a broad stroke overview of what spiritual warfare is, what it looks like to actually enter into that place, what our posture is, where our victory is, but also what it looks like to engage in spiritual warfare. Last week, I hit the topic of authority. Authority being a, a, a marker, a pillar of what it looks like to actually engage in spiritual warfare because we know who had the final victory and who had the final say. We have a disempowered enemy and a victorious God, a God that already won the battle. And so we get to stand on that battle being won and fought for us. And, and it's just a, a victory cry within the saints in this hour to really see who we are in Christ and to stand in that authority. So I've already been hearing individuals stepping out in boldness, stepping out in different places, seeing, seeing God take the throne in different situations and seeing less and less of a fear and, and a crippling kind of taking us out in this hour. And um, if, you've, if you've not been with us, um, the reason I'm going after this topic specifically is because there are certain seasons in church life where you just hear that there is spiritual warfare at another degree. You know, you see people being taken out in different ways. You see families really being impacted by negative spiritual warfare. You see finances being in turmoil. You see individuals struggling with purity at a level that they haven't in years. When these different things are coming at us, we have to, we have to pause and be like, what's going on? And Lord, what are you doing? Because you always have a solution. Somebody say, he always has a solution. Say it again. He always has a solution. That's right. That's right. And so go ahead and take out your Bibles and we're going to jump in today. I'm going to be preaching on ministering with, an, with authority. You're already feeling it. That's good. Let's go. How do we take authority over situations and where people are bound? Because we have all authority. How do we now take that authority? If there are areas that we need help ourselves or we want to help others around us get freed to end the areas that we've been giving the enemy a foothold, I've learned over the years that we have to understand how the individual is bound or impacted by demonic activity. Richard actually, I don't think he even knew this, Richard. Good job tuning into the Lord. Let's, let's open to Isaiah 61. Don't you love when that happens? We opened up this morning with this scripture. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And before I even say this, this is, this is a prophetic word from Isaiah that Jesus fulfilled in Luke chapter four. He opened up, he read it, and he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And so this is our Messiah, King. You ready? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. And there are two kinds of individuals you'll see that are trapped here. There are captives and there are prisoners. Prisoners are those who have committed some sort of crime, but captives are those who have been taken out by lies and by deception. Let's now turn to Matthew 18. Here, Jesus is responding to Peter's question about how many times, how many times, Lord, should we forgive one another? Is it seven times? Is it seven times maybe, Jesus? That feels right, because if someone's like the eighth time, that's enough. That's a, too many times. And so just answering the question that Peter had, let's read now in Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some of you are like, Ugh. okay, 77, got it. Now, some of you are like, I think I've done about 76, 77, so we're almost done. The idea here is over and over and over again. There's a grace for it. So he's responding. 
the moral of this parable that Jesus says next, right after this verse. He gives this whole parable about a king and different servants and forgiveness and unforgiveness. The moral of this story, if you want to read it at another time, is that unforgiveness keeps us incredibly bound. Unforgiveness will keep you bound. You think that you are keeping the one that you will not forgive bound. It is keeping you bound. It keeps us prisoners in our souls. It opens doors to the influence of evil spirits. And in my opinion, unforgiveness is the number one way. Not just my opinion. I've heard this over and over again um, as I've been reading different authors and individuals that have done deliverance ministry over the years. Unforgiveness is the number one way that the enemy will keep you a prisoner. That's how he'll do it. Number one way, unforgiveness. But we are those who through our choices should no longer be empowering a disempowered enemy by our agreement. When we choose to forgive, there is a legal decree in your choice. Because remember we talked about the authority that's been given to us. Jesus spoke, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. If Jesus has all authority, who has no authority? The enemy. You, as one that's in Christ, have his authority. And that means the authority, the delegated authority that you have, you make agreements to either give it or take it back from the enemy. And so unforgiveness is one of those areas that we choose to partner by giving our authority to the enemy, the father of lies, who is completely disempowered, but we have chosen to give him a degree of authority through our choices and through the ways that we have aligned to the enemy. But when we choose to forgive, there is a legal decree through our authority and the authority of heaven to free us as prisoners to unforgiveness. Someone say, amen. Amen. If someone's unwilling to forgive, it's almost pointless to try to get them free. It's almost a waste of time to try to get someone free until they're willing to forgive. This also works in forgiving ourselves. Sometimes that is a harder pill to swallow than even forgiving someone else. Forgiving ourselves. We punish ourselves so much, we keep ourselves bound by not receiving forgiveness that comes from God, the ability to release to him by choosing to forgive ourselves. And so I wanna make this really practical as well today. We've been hitting some different areas of theology the past couple weeks. I wanna enter into some practical ways to actually minister with authority, you ready? So let's go ahead and put this on, on the screen. Um, You can use your phone, snap a few of these, keep it in your phone, go through it the next weeks to come. I have a a few different prayers and declarations that we can make over time. Good job. I see some nice, some nice silhouettes of phones. It's good. So when, when you've determined in your heart, okay, I don't have all my emotions ready but I'm going to choose from my willpower to forgive the individual. Did you know you get to make a choice? All of your emotions don't have to be aligned. This is a choice and verbally you can speak this out because the enemy can try to plant ideas and thoughts in your head, but he doesn't know your mind. Only God knows your thoughts. And so we have to speak out to the spirit realm to create a legal decree and authority into a situation and to see impact, okay? And so this is a prayer of forgiveness. I choose this day to forgive this person for the ways that they have hurt me. You can speak all the different ways, for the ways they abandoned me, for the ways they weren't there for me, for the ways that they hurt my heart in different ways that I'm still trying to process, for all of the ways this affected my family and my friends. It's so painful and I choose today to forgive them both the known things and the unknown things and how it's affected me. And I release this person of all punishment and anything that I have held on to. I choose to now bless them. I bless them in these ways. You can start to rattle off some ways that you wanna bless them. I bless them to be um, a fruitful person. I bless them to actually know and encounter the love of God so they themselves can be free in their lives. 
I bless them. You're turning it from being an individual that's holding on and you're now turning it back and giving it to the Lord, yielding it. I bless them to be freed, to be healed and to experience God's love for real transformation. And so you can do this many times if you have to. Sometimes forgiveness feels like layers of an onion. That's okay. Keep doing it until you can see a real impact in your life. And so when we're ministering to one another, it's extremely helpful to identify where the other person is stuck or bound. Are they captives or are they prisoners? Prisoners are people who have invited demonic influence into their lives through their lifestyle choices of sin. With prisoners, the demonic know that they have permission to wreak havoc in someone's life until they choose to repent. Isn't that interesting? We, we, we talk about sin a lot in the church, but I, I'm seeing individuals actually come to realization, oh, when I'm making a partnership with my choices negatively, look at what this is doing to my life. I'm literally opening up doors of demonic influence from my choices. It's not just that I'm, um, I'm toying around with this for a little bit or I'm compromising a little bit here. You are literally opening up doors for demonic influence. Remember how I said last week about the blood of the lamb in the nation of Israel when they were in Egypt and how they would put the blood of the spotless lamb over the door frames of their homes and the angel of death passed by. So there was no death to the household that had the blood of the lamb over the door frames of their household. That is a direct symbol of salvation in our lives. Where, where the blood of the pure spotless lamb dripped into the basin. They would hang it up, drip the blood into the basin. Then they took their ordinary hyssop branch, symbolic of our ordinary words, our ordinary actions. They would dip the hyssop into the basin and they were instructed to apply it to the door frames of their lives. This is what we do in our lives when we are applying the blood of the lamb to the door frames of our lives, to the door frames of different situations. We are covered, we are protected, there is salvation. But when we choose through, they had the act of obeying or not obeying. They could or could not put the blood over the door frames. That was their choice. And so when we choose not to follow with obedience, we are actually coming out from the covering of the blood of the lamb and we are making ourselves susceptible to the works of darkness. It gives us an image of what it looks like when we're actually choosing to be in, in disobedience rather than to stay under the covering and protection of the blood of the lamb. But repentance, thank God for repentance. It, repentance is, is a turning. It's literally a, a full turning away from something and towards the Lord. Repentance is also, the language implies, returning to the high place. I love that. I'm repenting. I'm returning to the mountaintop with the Lord. All that I've been experiencing, this, this is worthless. This only leads to destruction. There is no fruit in it. I'm going back with you, Lord, to the high place, to the place of perspective, to the place where I'm with you in the cool of the day. Repentance. Changing the way that you think. That's also part of this loaded word of repentance. Changing the way that we think. And repentance also includes a godly sorrow. You know, sometimes it, it doesn't just mean that you're sorry, though that is, that is included in it, but there is actually a deep sorrow and godly remorse that takes place when we're really turning in repentance. And the Lord, every single time, every single time, is there with his arms wide open. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed, it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. It doesn't matter how, how far off you've gone. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The father was there waiting. He's there looking, waiting for you to return home. And then he comes running after you, smothering you with kisses, smothering you with kisses, sloppy, wet kiss kind of kisses, unforeseen kiss kind of kisses, loving you, holding you, Really, really tight. 
He says, these filthy rags. You've, you've been with the pigs a little, I can smell it. Okay, well, let's get, let's get you washed. Let's get you washed. Let's take these, these old tattered clothes off you. I'm not just going to put you in some decent clothes. I'm going to put the best robes on you. My robes. Actually, let me find my best robes, because that's what I'm clothing you with, because you're my son. You're my son. It doesn't matter what you've done. Come home. Let me clothe you. Let me put a ring on your finger. You know what a ring meant? That was their signature of the day. Dip it in some hot wax. Pop. Signet ring. This is the authority of the father that he's like, it's yours. You haven't lost it. Let me show you the ring. This is yours. All that I have, all that I am is yours. Return. Return. Repent. Come home. Isn't it good to be home? See the difference of motivation? He's like, I want to keep you away from the darkness and into the house of light. We could just sit on that for a little while, couldn't we? Whew. Thank you. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, that we can always come home. Hey, just even where you're at, just thank you, God, that we can come home and that we're robed in righteousness. You take our tattered, filthy rags and you wash us, you make us new and clean. We are clothed in righteousness. You put a ring on our finger that says who we are. It's our identity. And whose we are, I belong to you. You are so good, God. Yeah, just let him continue to work that in your heart today. But once a person has repented and renounced their sin, the evil spirits no longer have authority to oppress the person because the roots of that sin have been dealt with. And so I want to now put this next prayer up. This is a prayer for prisoners. You can keep raising your phones. I will not be insulted. I want to see a lot of iPhones. Not Androids, iPhones. If I see a dang green bubble. Just kidding. Actually, on your Android, I don't know what color it is, but that green is ugly. I... I I swear to you, Apple is so smart. They're like, what's the ugliest kind of shade of green that we can just insult all, all iPhone, like all Android users? So they're like, I got to stick with iPhone. I cannot be that person. I'm sorry if I'm offending you a little bit. I'm sorry. All right. Repent. Turn to the iPhone. No. All right. If you get anything out of today's message, just, just go back to T-Mobile. Just <laughs> so here we are, prayer for prisoners. Uh, this, is, this is first what you can say. In Jesus' name, I repent of these things. I repent of how it's impacted me, known and unknown. Because there's a lot of, of ways that we don't even know how it's impacting us. I renounce all of its impact. I sounded like a Southerner. I renounce. I am from North Carolina. It, it comes out once in a while. I renounce all of its impact and every spirit attached, and I command it gone out of my life now. You see how you're rising up in your authority? I renounce it. Get out. You're breaking agreement with it. Renouncing is a legal rejection. And when you're dealing with an individual, you can expel every demonic force that's influencing their lives. Thank you, God, for cleansing them of this sin and these choices. I expel every evil spirit that they have partnered with. Now, this is now a prayer for those that you're ministering to. In Jesus' name, I command every spirit, you know, start speaking it out. What is it that they've been confessing or dealing with? To be expelled from their lives by the power of the blood of Jesus, be free right now. You are speaking legally to the situation. 
You are arising with your authority and you're addressing it. Now, I love the word expel because it has to do with no matter what's going on, it could be a little morsel, it could be a huge, wide, fat, open door, but we're gonna expel it. Get out of their lives. Be expelled in Jesus' name. That means to get, get away from, be removed, be uprooted, be cleansed by the power of the blood of Jesus. Now, anytime we're doing ministry for ourselves or for other people, I love that the Lord always gives a divine exchange. Not only are you giving over something, not only are you yielding something over to him, putting it at the foot of the cross, nailing it to the cross, whatever that looks like, there's always a divine exchange. What does he now want to fill you with? What does he now want to speak into your life? What kind of identity does he want to speak? What does he want to bring into your life? The fruitfulness that is lasting by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you can listen. What is the Lord speaking to you right now? You could be listening. I just speak right now. You've given over, um, you've given over these addictions and he wants to fill you up with something that is satisfying by his spirit. He is the comforter that fills all of those places that were, you were trying to satisfy with different things. You know, this, this is how we do ministry in the kingdom of God. Now I want to look at freeing captives. Those are those who have been captured in battle and they are being held by the enemy. It's not because of their lifestyle of sin, but instead because of the lies that have been fed to the enemy that they have believed. The lies believed by the enemy. So I want to speak a few verses on truth. Jesus said in John 8, Starting in verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What sets you free? The truth. What is another name for Jesus? The truth, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father except through Jesus. So if you're looking to be with the father, if you want to know the Father, if you want to live for eternity in heaven and know him here and now and into eternity, it is only through the narrow road named Jesus Christ. It's the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He said it. He said it. We believe it. He said it. We believe it. So the truth is what sets you free. And truth here, the language means reality. Reality. So to get free, we need a revelation of truth that can free us from captivity and deception. The word meaning reality. So many of us live in a skewed reality where something can absolutely feel very real. It can look very real, but it isn't real. And we become tormented by lies and those lies that our seeds start to take root within us and they start to coil like vines within our lives. These lives that are negative seeds wrap around us like vines, they choke us out, they squeeze us into bondage and they hold us down. So to get free, we have to have a revelation of truth that really sets us free from the captivity and deception that we have let be rampant in our lives. In the book Bondage Breaker, I alluded to this last week, Neil Anderson, who's the author, talks about how when he was working with people to get free, he's done this for years and years. He's, he's counseled people, he's delivered people, and he's one of the foremost um, reputable sources for deliverance ministry. And he says he kind of had to go through a process to find what would be most effective in getting people free. In the early days, he would try to like expose the demons, get them, let, let's expose these demons. Where, where is it at? Stir it up. Let's see what's going on. But he would see people run out of the room. <laughs> he would see people totally disoriented. And one time he ha even had a person jump across him, grab a pencil and try to slit his wrist. Okay. So he's like, Lord, I need another solution here. This is, this is too much. He's like, dear God, there's got to be a better way. And he, he learned through this that truth is the liberating agent. And that has been the case time and time again when he's ministering to people. You don't have to out-shout Satan. You don't have to out-muscle Satan. You just have to out-truth him. Believe it, declare it, act upon the truth of God's word, and you will remove the plans of the enemy. There's a preacher named Andrew Womack. 
And he talks about how so often we're waiting for deliverance ministry or to book a session or whatever it is, which sometimes that's necessary. But he says, I have got to tell you how many times over and over again, people are being delivered just in hearing the truth of the word of God, just in hearing the truth through a message spoken on a Sunday. Just through worship, having a revelation of the love of God, they are delivered. Just through a moment of ministry, they are set free. And I've had individuals who actually see in the spirit and they see things take place during worship or during the message where they can see a lifting and removing of demonic influence on people's lives. It's the truth that sets us free. And so we know that Jesus is the truth and he is the one that sets captives free. The power comes when we know and we believe and then we choose the truth. It's not so much about what we do as we are ministering, though it's important. Though the Lord has said, hey, I want each and every one of you, I want you to arise and I want you to be a minister of the gospel. I want you to be a priest. I want you to be a king. I want you to bring a ministry of reconciliation into the world. We have an immense, an immense authority and a uh, responsibility in, in this world, don't we? But the pressure can actually be taken off of us because we know that it's when the individual confesses, they renounce, it's about who they're forgiving. And so in John 14, let's now turn there. John 14. We have the spirit of God that's with us. John 14, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He, the Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will guide you into all truth. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit of God that takes up residency within us and floods our heart and our body and our soul, and our mind, and leads us into all truth. Sometimes when I'm working, I I don't have this in my notes, but if you want to jot it down, sometimes uh, in my own life or when I'm working with people, we, we, we have these parts of us that is spirit, soul, mind, and body, right? But our spirit, we actually want to take the leadership role in our lives. So we are not controlled by our emotions, So we are not controlled by our body. So we're not controlled by just our mind and the the crazy thoughts we might have. And so we can actually exercise authority and say, Tommy, I bless your spirit to take the leadership role right now over your mind, over your body, over your soul, over your emotions, all that you are. Let your spirit lead you into all truth, led by the Holy Spirit. It's blessing our spirit with authority. And it causes something within us to say, hey, I'm I'm not gonna fall prey to these emotions or how my body feels right now or the confusion. I'm actually gonna live by the spirit. And so there's an authority that can arise up in our lives. You can even bless another individual. I bless you, my friend, in these areas to be led by the spirit. The truth is the liberating agent. In John 17, Jesus says, I did not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify, meaning to purify, to cleanse, to make holy. God, sanctify your people in the truth. The truth is a cleansing, liberating agent. In Acts chapter five, we have this crazy story of Ananias and Sapphira. This was probably your favorite Bible school story. You know, I, you know I love to always be a, a false Bible school Sunday, Sunday morning preacher. That didn't make sense. I always like to pretend that I'm with the little kids and I like to tell them the darkest stories of scripture. <laughs> A couple weeks ago, we talked about the pigs being demonized into the Sea of Galilee, deviled ham, right? If I was a Sunday school teacher, that's what I'd be telling. I have a little dark sense of humor sometimes. Okay, 
The Lord, I learned this week, also has a very dark sense of humor, right? Where's Petri? Petri, where you at? Petri's last in the bathroom line. Bless you. Bless you back there. The Lord has a dark sense of humor, right, Petri? Oh, gosh. Okay. So in Acts chapter 5, we have this real story of Ananias and Sapphira, a married couple who were Jewish believers. They, they were Messianic Jews, come to faith in Jesus. And they had lied about giving proceeds of their property to the church because it was very common at the time. The early church were radical in their giving. Everyone was just giving away their property. It didn't matter. They're like, this is for the sake of Jesus and the kingdom. Here, take it. Take it. Radical giving. Radical hospitality. And so Ananias and Sapphira were like, I'm going to get on that train and look real good. So yes, 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 we gave, we gave away our property as well. And that was a lie. And so here we have in Acts chapter 5, where Peter is confronting Ananias when he steps into a church service. Just imagine with me if I did this one day, by the way. Put a little fear in you. Okay. Acts chapter 5. Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And Ananias dropped dead. 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 <laughs> Can you imagine if I did that one day and someone just, <laughs> dead. I, I don't know. I don't know. Lord, please do not do that ever. <laughs> I'd really have to wrestle through that one. Okay. <laughs> and then his wife comes in. Same thing. She drops dead. I'm like, I, I don't know. If, if I'm out on the sidewalk and I'm, I'm, I'm there in Hollywood, and I'm, I'm like, repent from your sins, repent, Jesus is Lord. Or if I'm out there and I'm like, he really is a loving God. He really is a loving God. Let me tell you about Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be in my gospel presentation. But it's right there in the first chapters of the book of Acts, which is talking about the Acts of the Apostles and the birth of the church. So there it is. Um, the, the young men rose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Okay, why was there such severity of this discipline? It's because God wanted the church to know that Satan, the deceiver, can ruin us if he can make us believe a lie. Satan, the father of lies, he's prowling like a lion trying to destroy your life. And he knows if he can get you to believe a lie, it can destroy you unto death. Neil Anderson, I'm going to put a quote up. He says, there's no need for the Christian to defeat the devil. Christ has already accomplished that. We just need to believe it. It is your individual responsibility as a believer to repent, believe the truth that will set you free. No one else can do that for you. So now I want to talk and end with a little bit of how do we minister then to one another? Uh, just a practical example from this week, actually. Um, a family friend, this woman who's on the East Coast right now, called me up just like, oh, I've been going through so much warfare. I don't know what to do. I just need your help. All I knew what to do was to call you. I said, yeah, of course, let's talk. And so I just did a little bit of an interview. What's going on? How are you feeling? And she's telling me about the, the spiritual warfare that's going on in her life and in her family and just feeling completely like trapped in that, right? And it should be a time of like celebration and it feels opposite. And so we just did a little, little interview and then I was like, all right, let's, let's pause. Let's listen and check in with the Lord. What is he saying? So we stopped, we listened like, thank you, God, for how you're moving. We ask right now for your guidance. We ask that you speak. What is the solution that you have? You know, you're just, you're making time. You don't, you don't have to just, from, from like the filling of the knowledge you already have, have a, have a solution. It's connection and dependency on the spirit that brings the anointing that breaks the yoke of slavery. And so we paused. What do you want to say, God? 
And I, I actually had a vision the Lord gave me. And, and I saw her in these different ways. I want to kind of protect, but I saw her in dif- these different ways, kind of struggling with these, these lies about her identity when it came to, uh, let's just say her family. And so I, I named a couple of things and I feel like the Lord is highlighting this and that there's actually a lie that's here. And I believe he's actually saying this about this situation in your family. And she immediately just starts crying. The tears are flooding, like the deep, heavy kind of guttural crying, right? Because it's hitting that place of, of something that she wasn't really tapped into, but the Holy Spirit tapped into it. That was, that was the root. It wasn't just that she was feeling off and feeling funky. We got to get to the root of what was actually going on. And I, I, I even said similar language. I said, it's like these, these seeds of lies that have gotten in and they've become vines that have wrapped around. And she's like, that's exactly how it feels. I can even feel that in my back. Like there was a physical response to, to that uh, taking root in her life. And so the Lord prophetically showed me that. Then we began to renounce the lies. And, we, and she, she was like, I renounce this lie that I am this. I renounce this lie that this person said over me that I let take root. This was, this was so recent. And it just was, that was the moment. You know, it starts to click. Oh yeah, that's the moment. And right after that, that's when it started having this impact. So she could take authority over the lies. And when they came in and she could renounce those and remove them from her life. Now, when she was able to do that, then I followed up and I, I then took authority with her. And I said, in Jesus' name, these different lies that have to do with these areas of, author- of, of identity, I renounce them, rebuke them, expel them from her life. I speak the blood of Jesus over her life in these situations. Full redemption, full freedom, full victory. These lies will no longer torment her. Be gone and removed. You know, we, we kind of use that kind of language. There's no formula here. It's, it's just following these patterns of authority, applying the blood of Jesus into a situation, right? And so we did that. And immediately this thing broke. The pressure broke. The, the pressure on her shoulders, her back broke. And she was, she was feeling that release, right? And she was like, oh my gosh, thank you, thank you. I had no idea these things were what the root was. And... Um, then I said, okay, we're not done. We got to hear the truth because there's always what? A divine exchange. So let's hear, let's hear. Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Oh, and she just starts to stir up within her. It's like this like engine that was off. It was like, all right, truth, back on. The truth is God says that I am this kind of parent. The truth is that I'm this kind of wife. The truth is that I'm this kind of daughter. You know, it just starts to speak out what the truth is over the situation. And once again, returning from feeling oppressed, heavy, buckled, chained into being someone that arises with authority, with fresh hope, fresh perspective, and is out of the thing that was crushing her in just a matter of minutes. This is how we minister to one another in the body. This is that Galatians kind of ministry where we bear one another's burdens. When someone's feeling trapped and bound and heavy, we come in and we bear one another's burdens. We minister to one another. We don't shrink back or hold back. And we, we arise when other people are going through it. Um, there, there's a story of, how are we doing on time? I might skip this story. Five minutes, let's go. I can do this. Right, Shonda? I can do this. <laughs> All right, keep her the time, Shonda. It's good. You can all call her that from now on. As long as you go, Shanda. Shanda LaHonda. There she is. <laughs> just, gotta, just gotta make her that much uncomfortable. All right. All right. So <laughs> switching to another demonic story. So there, there's an individual named Chris Valatin who is one of the pastors at Bethel in Redding, California. There's two stories that always stick with me that I want to share. The first one is he was up in his office and he gets boom, boom, boom on his door. You got to come quick. You got to come quick. Okay, what's going on? Just come down to the counseling office. He gets to the counseling office and there's like eight people interceding outside the the office door. Like, it's like, like, all right, fire tongues, fire tongues doing what they do. And he's like, oh my gosh, what's going on in there? He goes inside the office where the counselors are. There's these two women counselors pinned against the wall 
freaked out because there is a, he said large woman, okay? Large woman down on the ground trying to grab their legs and bite their feet. And there is a, uh, they had like a maintenance worker who was the biggest man they could find come and trying to pin her down while she's scratching and trying to bite at their feet and ankles. Quite a sight. Quite a sight, right? And so Chris says he gets in there and he just has to calm, calm down, get into, get into shalom, right? Okay, this looks absolutely insane. Holy Spirit, speak. And he said, Holy Spirit, why do the demons have permission to torment this woman? Was she a prisoner who had sin in her life, unforgiveness in an issue, or was she a captive who believed a lie? And then he calmly and boldly got down to the floor and asking the Holy Spirit for insight. And he heard the Holy Spirit say, when she was a little girl, she was told that she blasphemed the Holy Spirit and was therefore banished to hell. And the Holy Spirit said, Chris, that's a lie. I've forgiven her. And so Chris leaned over to her and, and with as much of the love of God that he could muster said, the devil told you when you were a little girl that, that you had blasphemed the Holy Spirit and you're going to hell. But I tell you that God said that you never did that and to renounce that lie. Immediately, the woman calmed down. She quit everything that she was doing that was chaotic. And the Lord brought her freedom and she even started to laugh. She didn't cackle. That's, I feel like... Okay, that's, that's, that's deliverance 2.0, okay? <laughs> you got to know the difference between a demonic cackle and a joy-filled joy laugh. Because the enemy only knows how to counterfeit. Um, I'll, I'll give you this one for free. Floppy good, claw bad, okay? It's actually, it's actually pretty accurate, I must say. <laughs> Floppy good, woo, claw bad, ah. Again, if you get nothing from today, that's another free one. Cackle, cackle, bad. Uh, I'm thinking of other stories. Dear Lord, I won't tell that one. Okay. I had someone cackling in a cornfield once. <sighs> Next week. Cackling, in, that, that should be my, that should be my uh, autobiography. Cackling in a cornfield. Finding Deliverance with Pastor Tommy Martinson. All right. Bring us back. Bring us back. Okay. The point is she got free. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. All right. One of the last things I want to talk about is breaking contracts with evil spirits. Chris also talks about how one Sunday morning he was at church and worship was going on. It was one of those just like glorious times, juicy in the spirit. And he's just going around like gently laying hands on people, blessing people through the sanctuary. And he got to this, this sweet couple that's been a part of the church for years, elderly couple. And this woman, uh, Martha was there and he's like, bless you, bless you. She smiled. He went on. But as he touched her, he just heard suicide, heard it in his spirit. And so he just kind of like shocked him because he's like, Martha, she's like the sweetest, been around forever, happy. So he just leaned over to her and he's like, hey, Martha, I, I, I might be off, but are you by chance like having suicidal thoughts at all? And she just turns to him and tears start to roll down her face. She says, I have for, for two months. I've just had been riddled with suicidal thoughts. I don't even know what's going on or what to do about it. And so he just, he just paused and said, okay, Lord, what's, what's going on here? And he said, perhaps was there a time that you that you had kind of made some sort of like wish or agreement with death somehow. And she goes, well, what's coming to mind is my, grand, my grandson was going through a really hard, hard thing that was affecting the whole family. And it was so painful that I, I was thinking to myself, it would, it would be easier just to die right now than to go through this kind of pain. And so she, she had made this agreement with the false comfort of suicide being an escape for her pain. And that's what the enemy worked with. He took that lie and made it something that had riddled her. And so right there in, in the middle of 
that church service, um, he walked her through a prayer, Jesus, forgive me for making a covenant with the enemy by inviting death to comfort me. Forgive me. Some of you need to say this yourself. Forgive me for making a covenant with the enemy by inviting death to comfort me. Spirit of suicide, I break agreement with you right now. I no longer want you in my life. I command you to leave me right now in Jesus' name. And she could feel a shift within her. She, you know, when people are riddled, they, they know when it's gone. They know when that thing has lifted because it's tormenting. And so she immediately felt it lift. And she was like, oh my gosh, this thing is gone. And she, she was filled with freedom and joy again. She, she got in touch with him. A month had passed. She's like, I'm completely free. It never came back. That, w- that was wild. That was wild how that thing affected me. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, <laughs> do you like us like that? A little, <clears throat> freedom. <laughs> Besides a lifestyle of sinful choices, believing lies and making negative covenants are one of the most common ways that Christians experience demonic influence in their lives. Besides just making sinful choices, when we believe lies and make those partnerships, make those negative covenants, it's the most common ways that Christians experience demonic influence in our lives. These things will cause us to step out from that covering of the Lord and make us vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Freedom comes when we break these covenants through verbally renouncing each of them. When these contracts are destroyed, canceled by the blood of Jesus, because that's what it does. The blood of Jesus cancels all of those negative contracts that have been made. The enemy loses the legal right to oppress us. And so how do we do this when we're ministering, ministering with friends and ministering to others? I want to end with this final slide. You can take one more photo. When we are ministering to one another, <clears throat> this, um, I, I've got to say, we're, we're artists in the room, so I think we get this. Uh, when I was taking photography classes, video classes, um, cinematography, we would learn all the rules, right? Rule of thirds, you know, this much headspace, shallow depth of field. This is what a good photograph looks like. But as a creative, we're able to also know the rules, but color outside the lines. Now, in the same way, when we're ministering to one another, Kind of it's an art form, if you will. It's, a, it's through relationship with the Holy Spirit. So you can take these as a guideline, but ultimately follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, in any kind of time ministering to one another, whether you're praying for, for healing or whatever it might be, we can always do a quick interview. Just, just hear what's going on. You don't have to hear the whole medical history. You don't hear, have to hear about 15 years of therapy or whatever was going on. Just a quick interview to get an idea. And then invite the Holy Spirit to move. You know, you don't want to do this in your own strength. Holy Spirit, move. Move in power. Come speak. Then we take time to listen. It's listening. It's pausing. It's getting into shalom. What is God saying? What is he doing? Then share what you're hearing. What are are you getting from the Lord? You can share that with the individual. And I have to say, make sure that it's appropriate for for the interaction that you're having. Because sometimes it's not helpful if you have a vision that someone is cutting themselves. Perhaps that's not the way that you deliver it. Perhaps there's a way to say, okay, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to actually ask them to get them to a place of healing? Because sometimes if we see negative things, it's so that we can bring the positive, all right? We always want to honor and protect uh, individuals we're ministering to. But share what you're hearing. Fifth, walk them through repentance, forgiveness, and renouncing lies. A lot of what I was just talking about, you can, you can use a lot of those prayers. Walk them through that repentance, forgiveness, and renouncing lies. Next, then once they have taken that kind of legal authority, you can take that legal authority. Command out, expel every work of darkness, whether it's just a little bit of an influence or they are riddled with it. No matter the degree, we can take authority over it and expel every work of darkness. Two more, declare the truth. That's listening in. What are you doing, Lord, in the divine exchange? How can I speak out the truth into someone's life? Because the truth is what actually brings freedom. 
The truth is what brings nourishment. The the truth is what brings a fruitfulness in their lives. And then finally, seal it by the blood of Jesus. No matter what's going on, Lord, I thank you what you're doing right now, and I seal it by the blood of Jesus. I speak the blood of Jesus over this situation and over their lives, and I seal it by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. You guys tracking with me? Learning a little bit today? Good. All right. What's next? (laughs) This is more of like a little bit of a teaching time. Um, But why don't we stand up together? You know, as I've, I've been attempting to kind of just bring some things that have been very impactful in my own life and to let those uh, spark some different areas of ministry through your own life, how you can arise in authority and to minister to one another. But why don't we just close our eyes right now and let the Holy Spirit do that deep work within us where he's the one that's teaching us and working within us and guiding us where we don't have to feel overwhelmed by the task at hand, overwhelmed by the, the friendships and relationships where we feel like we have to step in and, and be something so great and, and that we have to be the Savior Deliverer, but that He is the Savior Deliverer and He's done it and we get to just operate and bless what He has accomplished on the cross. And so right now, why don't you go ahead and put your hand on your heart I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now that you are, you are doing a deep work in individuals all throughout this room. That the last couple of weeks and into the weeks to come, you are bringing immense freedom and immense lightness. It's like, Jesus, you say that you are the easy yoke. You are the one that we are unified with and that, that the burden is light. And so I thank you that that you are freedom and truth in our lives. I thank you that we have you. And I pray, God, that as you've been doing this ignition of an arising of authority, that you would continue to teach and train your sons and daughters to live in the fullness of who they were born to be. Continue to call us forward. Continue to, as we go to bed and as we wake up, that we would hear our name called out and that we would experience This is who you are. This is what I've called you to. This is the purpose of your life. This is how you can arise in my power and be at a higher level. I thank you, God, that you are moving us higher and that we are letting go of anything that hindrances, any hindrance in our life so that we can run the race set before us. And I thank you for the passion and fire of the Holy Spirit ignited. And we ask once again, God, fresh fire, fresh oil, fresh wind in our lives by the Spirit, that your presence would be powerful in our lives, that we would be so aware of you with us, that we'd have nothing to fear, and that we'd walk out as confident sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone say amen in the house.